The Truth News Network. Where do you begin? Seriously, where do you begin to understand what's happening in the last 18 months? Life in this world is beginning to look like the director's cut of Lord of the Rings. Indescribable torment, tyranny, and it just never ends. Okay, let's take a moment. Separate fact from Hollywood. For that, you need the truth. DNN, the Truth News Network. And Dan Newman. Facts. Facts. Just look around. You'll probably find one or two just laying on the floor beside you. And uh, I encourage you, whenever you see a fact somewhere, especially about anything important in your life, you pick it up and at least examine it to make sure it fits and then plug it in. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Americans just all decided at the same time, hey, guess what? We're gonna we're just gonna make everything rely on actual facts that have been confirmed by multiple unbiased, nonpartisan sources. And we just all went about our merry way. We didn't have to worry about getting lied to over and over and again, and lied to by people that we have for many years trusted to give us facts, and we can't trust them anymore. Well, good morning, everybody. It's Friday. Thank goodness we made it to the weekend, and thank you for giving us the opportunity to share in the beginning of your weekend. Many people, especially in this post-pandemic world, when they went back to work, many of you are listening today because you're not at the office today. You're working from home, and so you get to listen in. I want to thank you for doing that. You choose, we all do, we choose where we go for our news, where we go for our information, and who we trust. And I guess more importantly is who we don't trust. And if you're here this morning, if you're listening in, thank you. And we are just blown away by the fact that you put enough trust in us to share your Friday morning with us just to get you jump started. So let's get after it. I don't know if you heard overnight but that U.S. District Judge Eileen Cannon down in Florida late yesterday, she appointed New York Judge Raymond Deary as a special master. Now, this is in the Mar-a-Lago case, and this former judge, Raymond Deary, as a special master, he's going to independently review the documents that the FBI took from Donald Trump's Florida home in early August. Now, Cannon's appointment of Deary It came alongside a separate ruling, and boy, nobody's talking much about him, uh, Judge Raymond Deary, being named as special master. What they're talking about is this same judge said, hey, special master Deary will be reviewing every single document the FBI took from Mar-a-Lago. Now, the DOJ said, well, you know, we don't like that idea. Now, why wouldn't they like that idea? The court does not find it appropriate to accept the government's conclusions on these important and disputed issues without further review by a neutral third party in an expedited and orderly fashion. That's what Judge Cannons said in her ruling in which she denied the Department of Justice further review of the seized documents. Now, they've already appealed. The DOJ has already appealed that matter to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. Trump had named Deary. You remember that name? It kind of rings a bell. Well, he was named as a potential candidate 
to serve as special master, a choice to which the DOJ did not object. The agency had nominated two of its own potential reviewers. President Ronald Reagan, way back, appointed Deary to the bench in the 1980s. He served as a New York judge until his retirement in 2011. I got to be honest with you. I think based upon his history, he's probably going to do a good job. And it's interesting to see that we shouldn't be shocked, but this administration, the first time anything comes out that goes against what they consider to be the right thing, the right way, the right people, they just automatically start squealing and hollering, you can't do that. We want somebody else, and we don't like this ruling coming from this judge. We got all those documents, and we had a warrant. But what nobody's mentioning is the warrant in this kind of case is always very specific. In the warrant, it names what they're going after when they do these searches. And when I say what they're going after specifically, specific documents, information, etc., and they have to provide credible proof that these documents or other things that they're looking for that are part of that warrant request are there. They went in, wouldn't allow anybody that worked for Trump to even go along with them, which is very unusual. They did not document ad nauseum in a believable fashion any of the things, the documents, and other stuff that they took. And why would they do that? You and I both know the obvious answer. They did it flying below the radar screen so nobody would know. So they couldn't be held specifically accountable at a later date. So they could potentially, and I can't even believe we would consider this being something that this Department of Justice and this FBI might do, plant some documents in those that they say they got out of Mar-a-Lago and something that would implicate former President Trump in some kind of devious activity. I would not put this administration, this Attorney General Merrick Garland, this President Joe Biden, I wouldn't put it past any of those to have kept this feather in their cap just in case. This is going to be interesting to watch. This is not going to end soon. This is going to drag on. Democrats want it to drag on. They may not be in the same frame of mind, however, after the midterm elections. Um, Even though the polls have shown that the gap between Democrats and Republicans on a generic ballot for the upcoming midterm elections, it's leaning more and more, just a little bit more every day, back towards the Democrats. Remember, this is the same thing that happened back in 2016, also 2020. And in many cases, those polls, either the polls were wrong, the results were wrong, even the people that were being questioned in the polls were lying, or whoever was taking the polls maybe fudged a little bit. Yeah, we're, 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 we're going to weigh into that. There's some interesting news yesterday uh, that involves Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer in a crowded restaurant, a very well-known restaurant in Manhattan, and it's where a lot of heavyweights go after work and they drink and get a little loud, and Chuck Schumer was there with several senators. 
and got a little bit loud. Let me, let me, let's just listen to that story. Let's see. Listen to this story. Chuck Schumer's at a restaurant in D.C. It's called Trattoria Alberto. Have you been there? Yeah, it's, a, it's a place on Capitol Hill where a lot of uh, high rollers on Capitol Hill uh, come and they have some drinks uh, and they have fun and sometimes they talk really loud. There's yeah, drinking well, in Washington? Yeah. Listen. <laughs> he was speaking really loudly at this dinner table. Very loudly. He was there with Chuck some other Schumer. senators like Chris Coons and Mark Kelly and uh, John Hickenlooper, Dick Derman and a few other others. And he's sitting at this table and he's talking loudly according to sources and several people confirmed it, multiple sources. It was overheard by these patrons and this is what he was saying. There's a whole list of things. He was saying not only is Nancy Pelosi in trouble because Democrats Democrats are going to lose the House. He said there's a 60% chance that we hold the Senate, meaning Democrats, and a 40% chance that we hold the House. He said Kevin McCarthy sucks up to former President Donald Trump. He believed Trump would run for re-election in 2024. Guys, y'all want to take over and read a few well, more Well, you things? just mentioned Kevin McCarthy. Let's see what he has to say about this news. That Keep in mind, Nancy Pelosi just recently said not only will the Democrats keep the House, the Democrats will add members. That's what she said. Then you got Chuck Schumer in a restaurant talking loud saying nope uh, the house is gone she mentioned he mentioned kevin mccarthy here he is right here on the channel we're going to unite america with a plan we have a plan to restore america to where we need to be and it's the commitment to america where we will secure our border lower our gas price make us energy independent bring back the supply chain from china to America to create American jobs. We'll let parents have a parent's bill of rights so they have a say in their kids' education. And then we're going to hold these government accountable. And by the way, Nancy Pelosi uh, evidently wants to be the ambassador to Italy. Uh, if she, uh, if she I don't blame asked, her. I don't fantastic. blame her on that one. Right. That's a nice soft landing. The food is the best food in the world if, there. If Kevin McCarthy uh, does become Speaker of the House. But I never heard of a guy from Brooklyn speaking loudly at yeah. dinner. I <laughs> Well, some of the other, some of the other things, the other tidbits uh, that Punchbowl reporting, uh, the Democrats will not be able to pick up a win in Iowa. Chuck Schumer uh -huh. said, "No joke." Uh, can you imagine Chuck if you're Mike Franken and you heard that that right. he doesn't even think that he can beat Chuck Grassley? Well, I know Chuck Grassley's going to win, although Chuck Grassley is uh, uh, fundraising left or right. Mark Kelly, the senator from uh, Arizona, Arizona, was at the table, and Chuck Schumer said uh, the Arizona Senate race would tighten if Peter Thiel, the billionaire tech guy. Started spending money on Republican Blake Masters. He loves Blake Masters. So it's going to tighten, according to Mr. Schumer. And and he, you know, Schumer and Manchin have had a mm -hmm. strange relationship. He said Joe Manchin's claim that taxing the rich is like inflation for the wealthy Americans. He said that is ridiculous. So a lot of the stuff that they say on TV is different than what they say at a fancy Italian restaurant where everybody's having a lot of fun, yeah. maybe a glass or two of wine. Right, and then he also criticized the former New York uh, Democratic Governor right. Andrew Cuomo for redistricting. The funny thing is, he'll say all that allegedly at the dinner table, but when the media calls his office to get a comment, they say, we decline. Yeah, you know why I it don't is? blame him. Because it happened, and it's all true, and he can't deny it to But to everybody. be a fly on the wall, well, now you oh. are. Right, uh, another that. reason to be a waiter. You know, right. another reason, you another reason if you're going to have that kind of a conversation, you should maybe ask for a private room at the restaurant. Right. You should. Because you're Chuck Schumer. So there you go. Isn't it interesting? We get the uh, the political perspective when they're walking the halls of Congress and somebody sticks a microphone and a television camera in front of them. We get the partisan perspective that they're obligated to give to the public and the behind the scenes 
couple of guys out having some drinks and bragging about who's is bigger than who's, right? And they let these truths slip out and we find out what we're being told is their opinions on all these important matters really isn't the truth. What you hear in a bar is the way they really feel. Chuck Schumer, he just got busted. And I got to be honest with you. I personally, and I normally don't do this, but I'm going to tell you, I think the election is not nearly as close as Democrats want the American people to believe that they are. I think there is going to be something of a red wave in November if we can get the votes counted right, if there's no shenanigans, as we saw in 2016 and 2020. I know we're not supposed to say that, and if I say that and this program goes out over the Internet, so that means somebody somewhere is listening in, and then it's in a podcast and other people are listening in, and that probably is going to go to somebody in Washington, D.C., and there'll be a ding, 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 ding. Here's this guy. He's down in Louisiana, but he's making a lot of noise, and he's talking about voting cheating. We can't let that slide. We need to make sure this guy's taken care of. Just so you understand something, when we set this show up from the very beginning, this show is not reliant upon anybody. It's reliant upon one thing and one thing only, access to the Internet. I have access to the Internet. I don't, I'm not going through any network. There's nobody that's going to be looking over my shoulder at content. Well, they may be looking over, but if they disagree, there's nothing they can do. I don't answer to anybody. And it was structured this way purposefully so that we did not have to answer to anybody. We would just research, vet the information that we uncover. When we find out it's real or not, we pass that information along to you, and we don't beat anybody over the head with this. When we learn it's factual, we just give you that and let you make a decision to do whatever you want to. There was voting irregularity, massive voting irregularity in 2020. And just because Democrats control the Department of Justice, and just because a guy who really wanted to be a U.S. Supreme Court that got booted by Donald Trump didn't even get considered after he was nominated by Barack Obama, and that's Merrick Garland. He just went on and did what he was doing. He was an appellate judge in Washington, D.C., until Uncle Joe patted him on the back and said, Hey, do you want to be the Attorney General? Can you imagine how Merrick Garland felt after he said, yeah, that's really not the job that I wanted, Mr. President. I wanted uh, a slot on the U.S. Supreme Court. And Joe said, well, there's not one open. And it may be doubtful that there's going to be one. So I would suggest you go ahead and take this nomination to be the Attorney General. I don't think from what I've seen and heard from Merrick Garland as Attorney General that he's enjoying being Attorney General. And just like we're Most of us very confident that President Biden is not the one that's saying all the things that he's saying, that he's just reading a teleprompter and somebody, they circle up every morning and decide what they're going to get him to say when and where, and they put it out there and he's just a puppet. I think Merrick Garland has a similar structure in the Department of Justice. Many of the things that he's questioned about when he goes before congressional committees to testify, 
It's in the common workplace. We all know about it. We've already heard about many of these things. And he looks at him like, I don't know anything about that. I'll have to get back to you. When you hear that said, that means somebody else is pulling some strings. It's not the person that's on top of the heap that is sitting in this chair in these committee hearings, supposedly representing a major department of our federal government, and they're asked questions, and they don't have the answers. You just got to realize when you look at things, sometimes they're exactly as we were told they were, but many times, especially in politics, what we're, we're told is far, far away from being factual. And that's happening more and more every day. Just wanted to let you know about what the judge down in Florida did, confirmed that special master and also told the DOJ to go pound sand that this special master is going to have access to every document the FBI took in that raid on Mar-a-Lago. There's some other big news out there. I mean, the world is on fire. American politicians on the left are on fire. They are fed up to their necks with these Republican governors and the things that they are daring to do. It's actually coordinated. Basically, that means it's a syndicate. And of course, we're talking about moving these illegals from our southern border, and they're not taking care of them any longer down in Southern California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. They're shipping them all over the United States, and they're dumping them on the streets of these cities. And it's just not fair. We can't let them do that. And so, I mean, almost to a person, these big-time blue state governors have just started screaming and hollering and making stupid allegations and claims. And I'm just sitting there watching and listening to this. And it's, it's hilarious. Martha's Vineyard officials, they're the latest in this. Now, you know where Martha's Vineyard is. Uh, it's off the coast of Massachusetts. It's a filthy rich place. I mean, try this sometime when you got a little slack time. You know what Zillow is, the real estate app that you can go on and put in a zip code and you can look at real estate outside and inside and see pricing and wherever you want to look in the, in the nation and even in places overseas. Go to Zillow and do a search for Martha's Vineyard and then look at the real estate prices that pop up on real estate there. I mean, you if you're going to live on Martha's Vineyard, you got to have a buttload full of money because it's really expensive there. So we have two Southern governors that are good friends. They work together. That's the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, and Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis. And so Greg Abbott, as you know, started busing some of these illegals that came across his border to places like New York City, to Chicago. Uh, I think I think he's gotten some going somewhere else, maybe Illinois. And where they're taking these illegals, people in politics there, Democrats are going nuts. You can't do that. These, when they come across the southern border, the federal government's supposed to take care of that. Well, <laughs> ask DeSantis and ask Abbott if the federal government's taking care of any of that. Absolutely not. 
taxpayers in these states and every other place these illegals are showing up are the ones that are bearing the brunt of this. And I guess Governor Abbott, Governor DeSantis, they just said, enough's enough. We're going to start sharing this insanity. Wednesday evening, Ron DeSantis, Florida governor, he announced that he had sent two planes and each plane was full of Venezuelan illegals and he sent them to Martha's Vineyard. Now, why would he do that? I think every American understands why he did it. It wasn't an in-your-face kind of thing. Here's the message that's going out. All you people that represent these states and districts around the nation where you're insulated from border incidents. You don't have people crawling across the border invading your your uh, citizens' property and committing all kinds of crimes and you're getting no help from the federal government that they're very quick at the White House to say, oh, you can't do anything out there. These governors, you can't do anything about immigration policies because constitutionally, the federal government has sole authority over immigration, top to bottom. We have the right to do and make happen what we say is going to happen. But there's a big conundrum in here, and very few people are even bringing it up. The chief executive of this nation is ignoring his constitutional and sworn duty that he swore to when he took the oath of office, and was sworn in to be president, 46th president of the United States. Joe Biden, unilaterally, is supposed to enforce federal law. Why isn't he doing that? Immigration law. There are dozens and dozens of immigration laws that were passed legally. It's real simple. Mr. President, enforce the laws. And they're out there, they being the Democrats are out there and there and they're saying, oh, we, 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 you know, we've got to go back to the drawing board. We, this, all of this insanity, flying these people to Martha's Vineyard, that, that's just a trick. That's just the showboat. It's really not. And you know what, guys? The American population understand it. They see it. I don't know of a single person. I know there are some out there. And I don't live in a border state. I live in Louisiana. Yeah, Texas is right next to us. And I talk to some people down there quite often. We have some correspondents in the valley down in the McAllen area. We talk quite a bit. And I know how the people in South Texas feel about this. They're nauseated at what the federal government is doing. No, let me rephrase that. They're nauseated at what the federal government is not doing, not enforcing the law. Nobody is being held accountable in the federal government. Nobody. The Secretary of Homeland Security is the frontline spokesperson for the Biden administration and the one that has local authority to make all of the immigration decisions. That's Alejandro Mayorkas. He thumbs his nose at his constitutional duty, which is to protect and defend the Constitution and see to it that any law that comes up, the way it's treated in his organization, the Homeland Security, if somebody breaks those laws, they're held accountable for doing that. He's not doing that either. Both of these gentlemen, both of them, 
should be and must be removed from office because they refuse to enforce the laws, which is their number one duty as one, an elected official, that would be the president, Joe Biden, and the other, an appointed official, Joe Biden's nominee as Secretary of Homeland Security. They're not doing their jobs. They're not supporting and defending the Constitution. They should be removed from office. Now, Alejandro Mayorkas can be fired. A president can't be. The only way to remove a sitting president is through an impeachment process. Now, we ought to, as Americans, we ought to know all about that. We watched two attempts to get rid of Donald Trump by the Democrats, very shallow purposes and justification. And, of course, articles of impeachment flew through the House of Representatives because Nancy Pelosi and Democrats controlled it. When it got to the Senate, they're the ones, the place where the trials are held to determine if the articles of impeachment that are brought over by House members that are going to represent on the floor of the Senate in a trial, whether or not, in this case, Donald Trump was guilty as charged. Neither time was he held that he was guilty as charged, and so there was no removal from office. Here's the bad thing about this. There are, there are many, many bad things. Maybe I should use a different term rather than saying bad. Maybe I ought to say shake my head part of this. How can any president of the United States or any federal officer, how can they reconcile in their minds and their hearts that it's okay for them to ignore the laws that they're supposed to enforce? How could that possibly be okay? To be honest with you, we as Americans, we live in a screwed up environment if we allow that kind of stuff to go on. And millions of people out there, almost all are Democrats, and some would say, oh, but there's a bunch of Hispanic people that would feel the same way. You're wrong. The Hispanic people that are in the United States legally, their relatives, they way more than half want immigration laws to be enforced. They want these illegals that are coming over taking their jobs or coming over to take their jobs. They want them to be held accountable for their actions under the United States law. So the people get it. The immigrants get it. But our politicians don't. No, they get it, folks. They get it, but it doesn't fit their political narrative. And so what are they going to do when there's any question? Forget about forget about the truth. Forget about the law. Forget about all that. We got to do what's good for us politically, and that's all that matters. Wow. Well, these flights to Martha's Vineyard. Do you realize this is also very interesting to I me. Mean, it's hilarious. Ron DeSantis didn't load these immigrants on these two planes in Florida. These are not people that came to Florida illegally. Ron DeSantis sent these two chartered jets to Texas and Greg Abbott's people loaded two plane loads of illegals on chartered jets that the people of Florida had chartered and flew these immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. 
And what is that all about? That's just rubbing salt in the wound of these Democrats. They can't believe this happened. So the cries, they just started going nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, You can't do that. (laughs) You just can't do that. These people, they're actually being kidnapped. California Governor He actually said that. Gavin Newsom said that the Department of Justice needs to prosecute the leaders in Florida, specifically Ron DeSantis, because they kidnapped these immigrants, forced them to get on these planes, and took them to Martha's Vineyard. We've got to hold these people accountable to the rule of law. Nobody even mentions this. I haven't even heard a single news person this morning and late last night overnight mentioned this. These illegals have to sign documents or release authorizing the removal that they're going into the process when they get on these planes and buses that they agreed to it. So they knew they were going. They had many of them no idea that Martha's Vineyard is what it is. I don't think anybody down in Venezuela I don't believe anybody in their upline family ever vacations at Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> they they kind of like the name, and somebody probably said, it's up in Massachusetts, it's off the coast, and yada, 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 yada. They didn't know that it's you got to be filthy rich to go there. And Gavin Newsom wants Ron DeSantis being charged with kidnapping. <sighs> this is the world in which we find ourselves living. Approximately 48 migrants landed at Martha's Vineyard Airport Wednesday afternoon. The Gazette up there in Martha's Vineyard reported the migrants came from Texas. DeSantis took credit for sending them. He went, as I said, he didn't go, but he sent two planes to pick them up in Texas. Yes, Florida can confirm the two planes with illegals that arrived in Martha's Vineyard were part of the state's relocation program to transport illegals to sanctuary destinations. States like Massachusetts, New York, and California will better facilitate the care of these individuals who they've invited into our country by incentivizing illegal immigration through their designation as sanctuary states. And of course, since they are self-proclaimed sanctuary states, Massachusetts, New York, and California, that means they have the infrastructure. They Name themselves sanctuary states, and what does that mean? Sanctuary means somebody goes there to be protected and taken care of. So DeSantis says that's all we're doing is facilitating their cry, raising their hands, ooh, 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 I'm here. We're a sanctuary state. Bring us some of these illegals. Of course, they never did that. They didn't mean it. It was only political posturing. They had no intention of being a real sanctuary state. And so Abbott and DeSantis are holding them accountable for doing that. Same thing in Illinois. Illinois declared itself a sanctuary state, and a few of these immigrants are taken up to Chicago. Mayor Lori Lightfoot and the governor of Illinois, they go absolutely crazy. You can't do this. And of course in Martha's Vineyard, they wanted it to be declared a disaster area yesterday. When 48 people, 48 illegals showed up, 
oh my gosh, we can't, we can't handle this here. We just can't do it. We don't, we don't have the infrastructure in place. Representative Seth Moulton, who, by the way, is a Democrat from Massachusetts, yesterday on CNN's newsroom, Rep. Moulton said that by flying asylum seekers to Massachusetts, Ron DeSantis was playing politics with people's lives. Oh, my God, a politician playing politics with people's lives. What in the world is that all about? I've never seen that happen before. But Moulton wasn't finished. He compared Ron DeSantis doing what he did as the same thing as segregationist former Governor George Wallace had in Alabama. I wonder if this guy really believes that or did he just say it? So co-anchor Allison Camerata, she said, let's talk about what's happening in Massachusetts today with the migrants. As you know, two plane loads of migrants from Texas were put on a a chartered flight. Sounds like under false pretenses, frankly, by, for some reason, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Not sure why he's inserting himself in Texas, but, and sent them to Martha's Vineyard. Locals are now scrambling to find help for them. Do you understand what Governor DeSantis is doing? She's asking Representative Moulton that. Of course, Moulton had a reply. Yes, I do. He's playing politics with people's lives. He's playing politics with people's lives like Governor George Wallace did during segregation. If you want Governor George Wallace's legacy to be the future of the Republican Party, then that's exactly what Ron DeSantis is showing all of America today. Anyone finished. Republicans continue to play politics with immigration as Abbott and DeSantis are doing today in the legacy of segregation as playing politics with people's lives. It's just a disgraceful abuse of people's lives, young kids, families who are just searching for survival by coming to the United States, people seeking political asylum. Do you think they walked for months to get to the U.S.-Mexico border because they were happy at home? These people are folks that we should be helping. America welcomes immigrants, has welcomed immigrants throughout our history. That's what the Statue of Liberty stands for in New York Harbor. Ron DeSantis is running against that entire legacy. Well, Mr. Representative Moulton, nobody in the chain of government all the way back to the establishment of our government in the late 1700s, Nobody that penned any of the immigration laws that are on our books, including, by the way, some of those that some of these people in the Senate especially were part of crafting when they served there, including this president of the United States. Nobody, nobody is exempt from the laws regarding coming into the United States. And anybody that is a federal servant I mean, took an oath, takes a paycheck. Nobody has the right to not enforce any federal laws. And for them to try to come up and pontificate as they are, it is a slap in the face of every American and every immigrant that is here in the United States legally. People that paid the price. People that really wanted to come here so bad that they did a little research and they found out they could just go to 
this consulate over here in this town and fill out paperwork and request through the legal process from the laws that the Senate and the House had passed in Congress and that previous presidents had signed into law, one million of these immigrants, and I'm not talking about the ones that just sneak in. I'm talking about the ones that every year since our existence and the immigration process was created in the United States. Every single year, there are one million or more immigrants from countries around the world that go through the legal process to be able to come to the United States, not because they're endowed with that right, but because the United States and the American people are very friendly, caring people. And we want anybody and everybody to come here who is willing to do what we do, which is abide by the rule of law, do it legally, do it the right way, and become one of the side-by-side, shoulder-to-shoulder American people that are here legally seeking citizenship but not being given anything that is not part of the package in federal law. Gavin Newsom, you should be ashamed of yourself. California, you self-proclaimed it, a sanctuary state. Now, immigrants are coming in seeking sanctuary. And you want to blame somebody else for a decision that you and your administration made. That doesn't surprise me. And I don't think it surprised anybody. I think people in your own uh, own state, they knew what you were were about. They knew what was going on and they've watched it go on. This isn't something new. Two million illegals have come here under the Biden administration. And Joe Biden and everybody in his administration have done everything they can do to even bring more people in illegally. And unless and until we, the people, hold these politicians accountable for their illegal acts, it's going to keep on happening. Now, why would it be happening? I'll give you the why. I'll give you the answer. Follow the money. Follow the money. The love of money is the root of all evil, the Bible says. If there's evil, any evil, look into it at some point way down, sometimes hidden. The love of money is the root of it. Now, how could that impact here? I mean, where's the money in all of this kind of stuff? You don't have any idea, you and I don't, of the specifics. You know who the big corporate entities are that are foaming at the mouth every time they see a load of illegals coming into the United States. Why is that? The agricultural sector of our economy is heavily dependent on hand-to-hand labor. If you ever go through the Central Valley, north to south, south to north in California, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. Up Highway 101, which goes all the way from the top to the bottom, by the way, goes right through all of these farms. I mean massive farms vegetables, fruits, nuts, 
all kinds of things. Agricultural workers there are manual laborers, and these illegals that are coming in, when I said follow the money, these huge agricultural companies, what they're doing is they're lobbying Democrat lawmakers in Washington, and I'm sure even some Republicans, big money. We got to let these people keep coming in. We need them. Americans don't want these jobs, which is not true, by the way. Legal immigrants don't want these jobs. That's not true either. They want them. And they certainly don't want our government to take jobs from these legal people and hand them over to these illegals. That's exactly what's happening. Follow the money. Follow the money. Well, what do we have for you today? We're 40 minutes into the show. We've laid out this latest immigration debacle. Of course, the big Satans in this thing are Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Shame on them, right? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We have a lot to get into today. We're going to take our first break. On the other side... You're going to get a lot of wisdom from somebody we know you love and trust. Right in the top, in the epicenter of everything that happens in our government and the Biden administration. And it's a she, and she is the vice president of the United States. She has wisdom for us all. Next. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gopperts from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks? Fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas? You ate a holiday ball. (gasps) We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. (laughs) Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. 
When a governor can tell a president, no rally in my state, it's time for some definitive truth. Here with the goods, again, Dan Newman. Don't you wish the rally declination by governors was the worst action we've seen by any governor in the United States? Boy, I tell you, the governors that are out there now on the left side of the aisle, they're destroying their states, just ripping them apart, and they're doing it in the name of what they say is best for their citizens. It's not, folks. I don't care who they are. Every one of them, they don't do things just because it's the best thing to do for their citizens. There's always two or three or four or five or a dozen or two dozen asterisks at the end of that statement. And each one of those asterisks is, yeah, we'll do it if it's okay, what's okay and good for the citizens of our state with this exception. If this comes up, we're going to do it another way. And it all leads back to money. Kamala Harris, vice president, over the weekend, she made a a little sachet around the Sunday morning talk shows, and she talked about illegal immigration. We also have to put in place a, 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 a law and a plan for a pathway for citizenship for the millions of people who are here and are prepared to do what is legally required to gain citizenship. We don't have that in place because people are playing politics. Uh, Ms. Vice President, you are absolutely wrong. We have that process in place. You and your minions don't want to admit that the process is not just in place. It's been in place for generations. It is a process for any citizen of the world, any other country. You don't even have to be in good standing. But anybody can come into the process to immigrate to the United States and do it legally and get citizenship. It's there. Can you believe this woman, who is the number two person in our government, heartbeat away from being president, she just lied, ball-faced lied. There is no such process. In case you missed it, here she is again. We also have to put in place a, 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 a law and a plan for a pathway for citizenship for the millions of people who are here and are prepared to do what is legally required to gain citizenship. We don't have that in place because people are playing politics. We have it in place because of politics, Ms. Vice President. So last night, Kennedy on Fox Business, she put a panel of men together and they discussed this. I thought it was interesting. I think you will too. She wouldn't know politics if it bit her on the booty. Now, keep in mind, amnesty efforts have repeatedly failed in the Senate. On top of that, Latino vo voters, interestingly, they have been moving toward the right. Um, so, hey, Kennedy. Hi. So, Jason, let's discuss this because, you know, Congressman Issa said this is exactly what Democrats want. The, these are the future voters that they want pouring over the border. Uh, but what about the fact that Latino voters... You know, they don't want to be treated like a mindless blob. They don't want to be told how to vote. And many of them are finding the GOP a little bit more attractive right now. What accounts for that? Yeah, I mean, 
I think what they're doing is playing the long game. Because as I watched some of those interviews this morning with Griff Jenkins, I mean, the message to Kamala Harris and Joe Biden was thank you. And so if you're bringing in a whole bunch of people who end up having children, who end up then becoming voters, they are probably going to thank the Democrat Party. So I think they're playing the long game. And when you look at what's happening heading into the midterms, they're going to lose the House. Maybe they lose the Senate. It might be a little bit closer than people realize. But they kind of know they've lost this, so they're going all in. If they didn't think that this was going to work, they wouldn't be going all in at a time when they know that they've got abortion on their side that's energizing their own base. And for the most part, media outlets other than Fox News have not really been talking about immigration issues. There is a huge portion of people who don't realize that a whole bunch of people are coming across the border. And so now all of a sudden, thanks to Abbott and DeSantis, folks are paying attention because you forced the media to cover it. So I just think this is a losing battle in the short term, which they know. All right. So when when does this change, Kevin? When when do we reach critical mass in terms of shipping and busing and flying people all across the country? Because that's not going to change the existing laws. Which party is going to get serious about this? Because obviously it's not the Democrats. No offense. Yeah, Kennedy, it's a, it's an important question. I think when we change the incentive structure for actually trying to get something done on this issue is when we'll see action. And I fundamentally don't see that in the short term. You know, you mentioned years over years in terms of false starts with the House and the Senate on immigration reform, going back to George W. Bush and others. We passed a comprehensive bill in 2013 that was championed by Marco Rubio that actually gave amnesty over 10 years to uh, undocumented folks here uh, in, in the country. He reversed course for his presidential run and it died in the Republican House of Representatives. So as long as it's still a political football back and forth Mm -hmm. and the incentive structure isn't there on either side for the Democrats or Republicans to do something about this, when we see this massive number of folks coming across the border, it is a crisis. I'm a Democrat saying that this is a crisis and we need action on it. But until that structure changes and we see uh, principled people willing to compromise and figure out a solution on this, I don't see anything happening. Well, maybe don't go all in on amnesty. Maybe amnesty isn't the only answer. Maybe there are other aspects of our immigration system that are completely broken. And when you throw amnesty in there, it's so off-putting to half of the electorate, you're never going to get anything done. Uh, But there are plenty of reasons to streamline, simplify, improve the immigration system, Mike. Yeah, look, if in the I live in the world of federal criminal law, right? And so we talk about this issue of aiding and abetting all the time. So if there's conduct that you think is improper and should not be condoned or allowed, you don't aid and abet that conduct. You don't give incentives <laughs> for people to engage in that conduct. So I think Kevin's exactly right. You should not be incentivizing this conduct, but I'd go one step further and say that the actions of the the, the various administrations have actually aided and abetted the exact conduct that we're outraged about now. And so when you give incentives and you dangle carrots like amnesty, it's not that much different than dangling pardons for federal criminals for certain kinds of conduct that you that you disagree with. So the administrations have to realize and take this out of the political realm. This should not be on the debate stage. If you want to get rid of this conduct, deal with it head on. But don't put it into the political realm because it's only exacerbating the problem. They can't help themselves. They're all a bunch of children uh, and they should all be voted out of office. All of them. Absolutely. That is the democratic way. That is the way our forefathers structured the government so that when we have issues with those that have been elected to represent us, there's a price to pay. If they do something that is not within their purview, 
they can't do, they don't have authority to do, we the people have the ability and we should exercise that ability and the right to hold them accountable. In this case, it would involve sending one man packing one way or the other. He could be impeached, but he could be fired. That's Secretary of Homeland Security, um, Alejandro Mayorkas. And uh, the other way is to impeach. That would be in the case of if we went down that road with President Biden. Of course, it's not going to happen. Um, it's not going to happen before the midterms if it is ever going to happen. And if Republicans gain control of the House, they could still do what this Democrat Congress did in the House. Uh, previously, they voted articles of impeachment against Donald Trump twice. They sent it across to the Senate. And of course, the Senate said, nope, we're going to let him stay in office. He didn't do anything impeachable and therefore he's not going to be guilty and will not be removed from office. Again, there is a process, a political process, and Americans know it. Our politicians know it. They manipulate the system. And that's at the root of this entire problem. They're trampling all over immigration law by doing what they're doing. Now, I want to put something in perspective for you. You know, all those people up in Martha's Vineyard, They're just screaming and hollering. They got 48 illegals shipped in there on two jets, 48, and they're crying a national emergency. We can't handle it, 48. The Del Rio sector Border Patrol officials report just came out a few minutes ago. 3,300 migrants came in at our southern border over the weekend. In addition, The report revealed that another 733 are classified as Godaway. So that's over 4,000 came into principally Texas over the weekend. Martha Vineyard, they're going crazy over 48. We're not a border state. We don't live at the southern border. We don't expect these kind of people being coming into our city. We don't have the infrastructure for it, and we certainly don't deserve it. There are people that actually said that. I heard them on camera last night even griping about that. Del Rio Sector Chief Patrol Agent Jason Owens tweeted a weekend recap video that shows the apprehension of those 3,322 migrants and that additional 733 that got away without being caught. The apprehensions left the sector with more than 2,300 migrants in custody. This number greatly exceeds the capacity of the sector's facilities. Nobody in Martha Vineyard's written a check and sent it down saying, hey, you know, you got some nice hotels down there. We want to take care of a month of those. Oh, by the way, here's our credit card. Let them eat. We're going to pay for them to eat. No, no, no. Nobody's doing that. Supervisory Board Patrol Agent Rudy Zeladin reported the rescues of 51 migrants over the weekend. Rescues. What is that about? Well, it's a result of 19 emergency calls. Unfortunately, Carrizo Springs Station agents recovered bodies of two migrants who succumbed to exposure and died on their trek to the United States border. The Del Rio sector continues to lead the nation with large group encounters. 
accounting for 62% of all migrant group apprehensions. Over the this past weekend, the agents encountered eight large groups leading to the arrest of almost 1,300 of these migrants. 48 is a problem for you <laughs> up in Martha's Vineyard? That's, that's a little bit late morning at the southern border. That's what they do late morning. One grab, 48 plus. No big deal. I mentioned that Gavin Newsom has asked the DOJ to look into whether sending migrants to other parts of the country constituted kidnapping or other federal crimes. Is this not ironic to you? Here's a governor of a border state. I mean, down south, San Diego, the border's right there. And thousands of migrants are coming in there. But there's one little caveat that nobody wants to talk about. The section of the border fencing wall process in Southern California, along the Mexico border in the Southern California, that border wall stuff, Donald Trump fixed it. It had bad problems in the existing fencing. They fixed all of that. They built the rest of the wall. They're not getting the flood of illegals there that are coming to Texas's and New Mexico and Arizona southern border. So Gavin Newsom, he feels like he's got, oh, we got it all going on, right? So I can reach out and scream and holler. So he wrote a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland in which he asked whether actions by Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis sending illegals from their respective states to destinations like New York City, Washington, D.C., Chicago, and Martha's Vineyard were illegal. Several of the individuals who were transported to Martha's Vineyard alleged that a recruiter induced them to accept the offer of travel based on false representations that would be transported to Boston and would receive expedited access to work authorization. Newsom wrote. Let me ask you this. Who do you think, if they really were, somebody really did, tell them, hey, we're going to take you up there. We're going to drop you off in Boston. You're going to get expedited access to work. Who would tell them that? Do you think anybody in the DeSantis Department of Immigration in Texas, excuse me, in Florida or Abbott's in Texas would do this? Do you actually believe that? And by the way, every immigrant that gets on one of these buses or a plane, they've signed documentation very well explained to them. They know where they're going, and they know they have to give authorization to be taken to these places. Gavin Newsom, now listen, he's he's a lawyer, former mayor of San Francisco, He knows what he's doing. He's up there pontificating. It's for brownie points. Gavin Newsom, when he made these allegations publicly yesterday, had nothing to do with these poor immigrants. It was for one purpose and one only. He's looking for an open door to run for president. And when he gets in front of a camera and he hits a bellwether idea or process going on, it gives him a leg up politically And you can't get too much television FaceTime if you're in politics. He doesn't give a rip. He doesn't care one bit about Martha's Vineyard. But he wants everybody in Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts and other Democrats around the nation to believe that he does. 
but he doesn't. Now it gets even crazier. CNN's John Berman and a filmmaker named Ken Burns, yesterday they compared Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' decision to ship these migrants to Martha's Vineyard, they compared it to the Holocaust. The Holocaust, where 7 million Jews were executed by Hitler's Nazis. Berman and Burns were discussing Burns' new documentary, The U.S. and the Holocaust, which is set to be released this Sunday before Berman turned the conversation toward DeSantis. We woke up to the news this morning. The Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida sent two plane loads of migrants to Martha's Vineyard off the coast of Massachusetts, and that included kids. Oh, my gosh. This is not a one-for-one. This is not a parallel here in any way, but it does address some of the same themes that are part of my documentary, Berman said. Oh, I love this line. This is a quote from Mr. Burns. It's the abstraction of human life. What the heck does that mean? (laughs) This is coming straight out of the authoritarian playbook. This is what's so disturbing about DeSantis, to use human beings, to weaponize human beings for a political purpose. Kind of like Mr. Burns, Democrats opening the floodgate of immigrants to come here One reason only they're doing it. It has nothing to do with your big hearts. If it was, you would be taking care of them and forcing them to immigrate within legal laws, which you're not doing. You're suborning criminality by opening the southern border. But it sure sounds good. And of course, he's got to sell a a movie, right? He then accused Burns did of He accused DeSantis of using humans to punish political enemies. What we find in all our films is that the themes that we engage in the past are present today. So when you look at the story that we're telling you of the U.S. and the Holocaust, you understand that the time to save democracy is before it's lost, we promise you. States like Massachusetts, New York, California will better facilitate taking care of these individuals who they have invited into our country by incentivizing illegal immigration through their designation as sanctuary states and support for the Biden administration's open border policies. That's from DeSantis' communication director. But that doesn't play into the leftist narrative. You know, they want to be the the good guys. They want to sound like we're the ones that really care for these immigrants. If you did, you would do something about it, sir. And you weren't, you aren't, and you expect people, it's those evil MAGA, MAGA people, super MAGA people. They're the ones that hate these immigrants and they're kicking them out of their states. No, sir. You don't have anything in your heart for these immigrants or you would be up there touting the legal immigration process and would be all in for forcing people to come to the United States the right way, the legal way. And by the way, I'll just throw this out there. What laws 
is it absolutely okay with you to never enforce? Which ones do you think it's okay? Obviously, immigration laws, you don't believe in enforcing them. What other ones are out there? Well, if you look at some of the Department of Justice and prosecutors around the nation, it's okay to rape. It's okay to break and and destroy people's property, to steal people's stuff. It's okay to steal vehicles. It's okay to knock people out on the streets in New York City, even though it's against the law. All of those are okay under certain circumstances. And who determines what circumstances justify making these things okay? Oh, it's Democrats that are in power. And when anybody dares to stand up against them and cause them to be held accountable for the exact things that they're forcing other people to deal with, they're going to wah, wah, cry a river. Gavin Newsom in California has the kahunas to even insinuate that these illegals were kidnapped by Ron DeSantis and flown to Martha's Vineyard. I've heard some stupid stuff. That one, gotta be honest, it's probably top of the heap today. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah, they can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. The I'm crazy hungry, so she's got to be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive through to get a Big Mac. Right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese, because I don't know everything, but I do know what my girl's feeling hangry meal. Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves, like the Big Mac, quarter pounder with cheese, 10-piece chicken McNuggets, or filet of fish, and get another for just a dollar. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. We have quite a crowd of people out on the West Coast that are listening in this morning. I got a text during uh, the break from one gentleman from California about his governor, and he said, Gavin Newsom is totally protected. He's insulated from any kind of illegal immigrant activity. How? 
because he lives now in North Central California uh, at the state capitol in Sacramento. So he doesn't give a rip about illegal immigration. He's running for president. And this guy said at the end of that, by the way, I'm a Democrat. (laughs) Uh, You know, righteousness and the rule of law doesn't have any political affiliation. It shouldn't. There are people that try to use it. And I guess the master, I don't even know if he's good at it anymore. I don't think Joe Biden understands what he's doing when he's doing it. I think he is the man of the teleprompter, and that's about it. Yesterday he said the jobs and incomes are up. You remember that? You heard him say it over and over again. However, according to his Labor Statistics Bureau, data that they released yesterday show that real earnings have gone down substantially since Biden took office. We're working to deliver an economy that finally works for working families. Biden said that during a speech Wednesday at the Huntington Place Convention Center in Detroit. Jobs are up. Incomes are up. People are back to work. However, let's just look at Biden and the um, dollars and cents for Americans since he took office back in January of 2021. Real wages have decreased And not just decreased a little bit, significantly. Real average hourly earnings declined from $11.41 in January on his inauguration day. Down now to $10.95 just last month. Now this is according to his Bureau of Labor Statistics. This isn't some hardcore right-wing news agency. Since the beginning of his term in 2021, real wages have decreased by 10%, $3,000 a household on average. Real average hourly earnings decreased 3% in August alone compared to August of 2021. And the last recorded wage increase was March of 2021. Hourly earnings did see a little bitty increase from July to August, but overall weekly wages decreased 0.1% in that same same time span. And the average hours worked weekly fell 0.3% from July. What does all this mean? Cut to the chase. It doesn't matter if you make a couple of bucks more an hour when to live, living the same way that you did under the last couple of years of Donald Trump's term. If you spend the same kind of money, if you go to the same kind of places, you live in the same kind of home, you drive the same kind of car, and you do everything just exactly the same way. You're upside down. Doesn't matter if the top line wages are up. It costs you way more, $3,000 more per family a year to do exactly the same thing that you were doing before Joe Biden became president. And he's proud of that? Yeah, he's proud of it. He, uh, He got off, I guess it was off teleprompter yesterday. He urged Americans to rise up and combat hate. Oh, he got that right fist up in the air and his jaw just, you know, choked and he's red-faced. We know this hate-fueled violence is born in the fertile soil of a toxic division, he said. We have to confront the ways in which our toxic divisions 
fuels this crisis for all of us, our differences. Certainly, don't turn a fellow American into a sworn enemy, he added. He spoke at a unity summit hosted at the White House, and he encouraged Americans to work to stop hate-fueled violence. Um, He didn't mention his recent efforts to stoke some fear and anger against supporters of Donald Trump's movement to make America great again. He called them semi-fascist. He also didn't mention recent comments by Democrat Senate candidate Tim Ryan of Ohio calling for Americans to kill and confront the MAGA movement. That sounds a little bit like hatred to me. Biden, certainly don't turn a fellow American into a sworn enemy. (laughs) Yeah, right. He urged all Americans to unite against the threat of violence and to do their part to defeat it. Folks, it's not just the federal government that can act. Everybody has a role to play in this story, he said. He issued a long list of America's racist history, pointing to a through line of hate in the United States that also sparked violence against other religions. That through line of hate never fully goes away. It only hides. He admitted that when he was a senator, he once believed that hate could be defeated, but said he now realized that if given enough oxygen, it would flourish once again. In the last few years, it's been given too much oxygen in our politics, in our media, and on the internet, he said, alluding to Donald Trump's presidency. Too much hate, all for power and profit. It's about power and profit, he continued, criticizing people that allowed extremist violence to fester and grow. He also urged the audience not to be intimidated by their critics. Folks, we cannot be intimidated by those who are talking about this as somehow we're a bunch of wacko liberals, he said. And then he stated again that domestic terrorism rooted in white supremacy was now the biggest threat to the United States. Enough, he shouted. White supremacy white supremacy. Let me let me just let me just roll back the calendar a couple of years. We went through more than 6 months every night in Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon, not so much a uh, you know, a college town where there's a bunch of educated people out there that are trying to mainstream their um, anger and hatred for the constitution. We're talking about Portland, Oregon, basically a blue collar part of the Northwest. A lot of great people in Portland, Oregon. It's a great city. Every night for six months, what happened in those streets? What happened? Antifa. Not your everyday um, demonstrator. Every night, six months, Antifa on the streets, beating people up burning down and shutting down businesses, attacking a federal courthouse again and again and again. And when the Donald Trump administration sent some federal marshals out there to at night, when all of this violence gets underway, to encircle and protect the people's piece of real estate, that federal courthouse, these Antifa guys... They're not white supremacists. A bunch of Antifa guys are black people, Hispanic people, 
Hatred doesn't have a skin color. It doesn't have a party affiliation either. Hatred exists in a vacuum just like truth does. And hatred's not something you're born with. You have to voluntarily adopt it just like racism. So you have a bunch of racists out there in Portland. Joe Biden never made a peep, never said a thing about what was going on in the people that were perpetuating that. We can talk about Black Lives Matter till the cows come home. You've never heard him in any speech whatsoever, in any public statement, say anything that could be remotely construed as being negative against the actions of Black Lives Matter when they basically burned Minneapolis, Minnesota down. They did similar things in Rochester, New York, the Miracle Mile in Chicago, Atlanta, even New York City, Washington, D.C. Nobody said anything about that. And you know why? Deep down inside, white people that are in charge politically, they are intimidated and scared to death to go out there and say anything or take actions in any way to support the rule of law against anybody and everybody that's breaking the law. Everyone in power politically that did not follow through and do what their jobs call for them to do should be removed from office by the people. Biden was, he was right. It is about power and profit. But he criticized people for allowing extremist violence to fester and grow. He's one of those guilty parties by what he does by what he doesn't do, by what he says. And he almost always has no clue what he's talking about. In the same speech, he went back to Charlottesville again. Charlottesville, Virginia. Donald Trump's first months in office. You remember that thing. A peaceful demonstration was scheduled. There were three political groups involved. Only one of those groups actually went through and got a permit to demonstrate. Only one. Now, which group was that? It was the group that that night was calm and reserved and refused to get in a battle. There were two other factions. Who were they? There were the white supremacists, and then there were the ones that were there to attack the white supremacists. So there were three, three groups there. Listen to what he said at this unit summary. There were peaceful protests on either side of the question of whether to remove a statute of Confederal General Robert E. Lee there. But these were overtaken by right-wing extremist groups and left-wing rioters who clashed in the streets. Now, everybody on the left wants to forget about the fact that there were two different groups that were perpetuating violence on the streets. There were right-wing extremists, and there were left-wing extremists. But there was another group in the middle that were good people. Trump issued three statements publicly on the violence. In the first, he condemned violence on all sides. In the second, he specifically condemned neo-Nazi groups, white supremacists, and even the KKK. In the third, during a press conference, he said that there had been, quote, very fine people in Charlottesville, but made clear he was referring to peaceful protesters. 
he said specifically, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. Every news report, when this ever comes back up, they always leave that out. Trump, according to them, didn't say it or they don't want you to think that he said it. Quote, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. And this is about Charlottesville. In an interview, Trump said this, excuse me, they didn't put themselves down as neo-Nazis. And you had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group. Excuse me, excuse me. I saw the same pictures as you. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. A reporter, George Washington and Robert E. Lee are not the same. Trump. Oh no, George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status as the country's first president? Are we going to take down, excuse me, are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down his statue? He was a major slave owner. Are we going to take down his statue? You know what? It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing culture. And you had people, and it goes on and on and on. So Biden brings this up at his meeting. He said that President Donald Trump referred to neo-Nazis as very fine people. He didn't say that at all. And he keeps coming back to that over and over and over again, does Joe Biden. Why is that? Why do they keep doing it? They don't have any else, anything else that is worth talking about. Nothing. Nothing. They can't talk about anything good they've done. You think they're going to talk about inflation? You think they're going to talk about energy costs that are through the roof? Our energy sector is dying on the vine. All 100% because of Joe Biden decisions that were made even before he was inaugurated. All of this, the horrible inflation, the prices going up, supply chain issues, cost across the board are creeping up every day. And when he gets up to give a speech, he wants to demean the orange man. Oh, we can't take hatred from these right wing groups these neo-Nazis, we can't take it from the KKK and white supremacists. But I'm going to whisper because I'm not going to say this out loud. We got to put up with Black Lives Matter and Antifa. We can't say anything bad about them or they'll get mad. That's the president. That's your president. That's what he's doing. Immigration issues. We left that topic at uh, the bottom of the first hour today. Tom Homan, former ICE director, he's coming up next. I want you to hear from him, analyze exactly where we are today with our immigration problem. Tom Homan, up next. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... 
Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Square Packages, the packaging specialists, are proud to present a box on both your houses. The untold story of the invention of the box and the family rivalry that nearly destroyed it. It's a tale about opening your heart, finding acceptance, and inventing the most efficient means of shipping and packaging that mankind has ever known. Proving that to find what's in your soul, you have to look outside the box and into another box, which is a house your home and that truly is the greatest box of all tune in every wednesday at eight for this once in a week time television event a box on both your houses presented by square packages the packaging specialists you're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with dan newman tnn the truth news network hey the weekend's coming up i know you're going to have a busy one Back to school, football games, soccer, all those kind of things. I want you to enjoy the weekend. I know you're going to be busy. Don't miss any of the important news. Tomorrow morning at 1.45 a.m., I'll be up doing it. Uh, Actually, no, I won't. It'll be scheduled and it'll go live tomorrow morning. It's our Saturday bullet points, our most read feature of the week at truthnewsnet.org. What is it? It's a way for you and anybody to go back and grab some of the stories, the biggest stories of the week that you may not have heard, or if you heard about them, didn't get all the details. We put them in bullet point format for you. There's usually 10 to 15 big stories. And if you read the several descriptive sentences and you already know about it, don't want more information, you just go on to the next bullet point. But if you do want to get a full story, at the end of that descriptive sentence or two, there's a blue circle with an arrow in the middle of it. That's a hyperlink. Click on that hyperlink. It'll take you to a full story. And that way you can enjoy your weekend without having to dig through uh, one of the big time papers, Washington Post or New York Times to find facts. We do the digging for you and we'll bring them to you. Check it out this weekend. Our Saturday bullet points. Promised you Tom Homan. One thing about Tom He was a faithful Trump supporter, still is, and principally because Donald Trump was committed to the rule of law and enforcing the law at our southern border, Uh, even more so than any of the previous presidents in my lifetime. Seriously, Bush 43, open border. Ronald Reagan, open border, gave millions of people uh, amnesty, legal amnesty. Clinton? Didn't really care about it. Didn't do anything about it. His two terms. Donald Trump was all over it. 
and the people of America appreciated it. They saw actual action from a president to keep the country moving forward and enforcing the rule of law, all the laws that the people's representatives passed on behalf of the people. Tom Homan is here, former acting ICE director, Fox Business contributor, Heritage Visiting Fellow. Tom, I could see your face when you were listening to that. Well, look, you know, she is so far over her head. It's not funny anymore. When she makes a comment, what Governor Abbott is doing is cruel and inhumane. What's cruel and inhumane is what's happening on the border. We got over, we got over 1,300, 1,300 migrants have died on U.S. soil since Joe Biden came president, a record unmatched. Over, 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 over 100,000 Americans have died from fentanyl overdoses that fentanyl coming across that open border. 31% of women that make this journey get sexually assaulted by the cartels. That's cruel. That's humane, inhumane, and that's why Governor Abbott's trying to bring attention to it. He's made this national conversation. And as far as the borders are, Kamala Harris, if she's really looking for the root causes of this, all she had to do is walk less than 200 yards and talk to the same man Griff talked to, and she'll find out the root causes is Biden's open borders policy. That's what's causing this surge. This, and I'll say it again, Tom, this administration has intentionally laid the foundation for human traffickers and drug traffickers to profit from human misery and suffering. And I've noticed today that there's one California school district, Santa Clara County, is adding Narcan to high schools uh, countywide to combat the growing threat of opioids, you know, fentanyl disguised as candy or Percocets purchased you know, wherever. But there's Narcan in those in, uh, across the county now. And why do you think that is? It's because of the open border. All of this goes back to the policies of this administration, period. And the White House spokesman, to make the comment that really just irks me, irritates me, when she says they inherited a broken immigration system. What they inherited was the most secure border in this nation's history. President Trump was a game changer. Illegal immigration down to a 40-year low. Illegal immigration decreased to, by 83%. They inherited the most secure border in my lifetime, and they dismantled it. They broke it. So, you know, it, all you got to do is compare the numbers. There wasn't 100,000 Americans dying from fentanyl in one year when President Trump was president. And when you have illegal immigration down 83%, how many of those women aren't being sexually assaulted? How many Americans aren't dying? How many migrants aren't dying? President Trump did his job. This president is the first president in the history of this nation who came into office and unsecured a border which has created a national security crisis, it created a national health crisis, it's created a, a national criminal crisis. This administration just continues to lie. Politicians stretch the truth, but I've never seen a president, a vice president, our secretary of Homeland Security every day get on national TV and lie to the American people. Right. He started out, he ran on being President empathy, and then it was apathy, and now it's antipathy. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about any of these people are suffering. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. I want to get to this, because this is the new messaging, Tom, that you're starting to hear. Again, there will be one magic word that comes up, and then all of a sudden, Democrats here, there, and everywhere are using it. This is a Democrat Senator uh, Bob Menendez weighing in on busing migrants. It's outrageous. They lure people 
people like human traffickers onto buses and unknowing where they're going to. They supposedly are the advocates for human life. They have no concern for the lives of these people. That word trafficking has started coming up over and over again. And let me just um, fact check that lie. Bill Malugin has reported these individuals, uh, the trafficking is how the people get into this country, but they know where they're going when they choose to get on those buses and they have to sign a waiver acknowledging that they understand where they're going and how they're getting there, Tom. That's just a, that's an outright lie, what Senator Menendez is saying. Yeah, where was Senator Menendez when this administration has flown to the to cities all the country, bust to cities all the country, 1.7 illegal aliens in the last two years. Where is he on that? Who lured them? Was it President Biden with Secretary Mayorkas? The only lure is he promise to not be detained, promise not be deported, a promise of future amnesty, a promise of getting rid of ICE detention. The promises of this administration, including free health care, is what lures people across this border. Open borders cause the most vulnerable people to put, them help, put mm-hmm. themselves in harm's way to get to the greatest nation on earth. So you can't call out these Republican uh, governors when you didn't say squat about the over one million people that they bust in the middle of the night or flown to our cities in the middle of the night. Not a word from any of these people until a Republican governor does it. And before we go, the 50 illegal migrants who were flown to Martha's Vineyard, that is being called by Martha's Vineyard a humanitarian crisis. And there's video of one resident saying at some point they've got to move. We don't have the services for these 50 people. How's... Take a, How xenophobic is that? Take a trip down the southern border. Take a trip down the southern border if you want to see a crisis, if you want to see inhumanity, if you want to see people dying, go down the southern border. That's the problem. We got to stop it there. So people in these cities can't be calling out this, you know, these governments for acting cruelly or acting inhumanely. The, the, humani- the inhumanity is on the southern border, and, it, and Joe Biden owns it, and Secretary Mayorkas owns it because he hasn't done a damn thing to slow the flow. Everything he's done is about getting people processed quickly and released into the United States quickly. He has failed his job. Day one, we take back Congress. He needs to be impeached. Tom Homan, thank you so much for being here. Great to see you. One thing you never question is where Tom Homan sits on any particular issue, right? I mean, he's pretty demonstrative. And he's been there at the front lines. He's seen it work under the previous president. Couldn't believe how good it worked. Novel idea. A real doer of the law in the White House. And Tom Homan hadn't seen anybody in recent years do that consistently other than former President Donald Trump. That's interesting, isn't it? Well, what else is happening? Border stuff again. Blake Masters, you hear that name? He is running for that Senate seat. Senator Mark Kelly holds in Arizona. Arizona Republican U.S. Senate nominee Blake Masters. Wednesday, he went down on the U.S.-Mexico border in Yuma City where he saw a couple of dozen border crossers being detained by officials there. He took video of the migrants, blasted at Vice President Kamala Harris for stating the border is secure during her appearance on NBC's Meet the Press this last Sunday. Masters said the migrants who he was informed are from Cuba and Peru, 
all have travel funds and crossed through that open area at the end of the wall. They all just camped out at this cartel stash house a few hundred meters south of the border. They just walk right over, he said. If that looks secure to Kamala, I don't know what to tell you. Earlier this month, a leaked Customs and Border Patrol document showed over 181,000 migrants illegally entered the U.S. through the U.S.-Mexico border. The document was obtained from an individual within the agency who spoke on the condition of anonymity. Masters shared an image of stacked shipping containers along a gap in the border. He said Governor Doug Ducey, a Republican, placed them there and commended him for taking action, noting that it has helped dismantle a cartel staging site called the Rape Tree. That's an interesting name. Wonder what it's about, huh? One official, Master said, told me that closing this particular gap had the effect of shutting down a known cartel staging site, the Rape Tree, a grove 300 meters behind these containers where the coyotes will tie up and molest women and children migrants one last time before they cross over. Brandon Darby, a reporter, reported on rape trees in Texas in 2016. They noted that on the final legs of the journey to the U.S. during a days-long hike past a Border Patrol checkpoint, coyotes usually remove an article of clothing from the female they rape and they tie it tightly to a tree, a rape tree. Master shared, and let me ask you this, that's okay with these Democrats? Knowing that these women were told fully, one-third of all the women and girls that are brought by these cartels into the United States, one-third of them are raped and molested. That's okay with Democrats? Why don't you stop it, Uncle Joe? Why don't you do the simple thing like enforce the rule of law? Stop these babies from being raped at our southern border. Illegal aliens trash their IDs and Mexican green cards to make themselves harder to deport when they get here. These people have traveled through many countries, literally established residency in Mexico. But thanks to Senator Mark Kelly and Joe Biden, now they get to live in America. He said, Blake Masters, do you want to hear something really ugly? Blake Masters... He's running against Mark Kelly. You may remember him, former astronaut. He was married to the female U.S. representative that was shot giving that speech down there at a shopping center, was shot, didn't die, but permanently permanently disabled. And uh, Kelly ran for that seat in the Senate. He's there. Now listen to this. The respective... National Party Senate fundraisers. Democrats have them. Republicans have them. They raise a lot of money. And so on a national level, leaders in the various parties during election time, they decide where the bulk of that money is going to go to support candidates here who have a good shot, closing gaps, need some help, yada, yada, yada. Blake Masters is in some polls about two points from closing the gap against Mark Kelly and taking a U.S. Senate seat from a Democrat. And Masters has raised a lot of money in his state for support. Mitch McConnell. 
Mitch McConnell, the minority leader in the U.S. Senate, he is the director, the default director of the Republican Party, and that includes money that's spent for politics, campaigning. He pulled the plug. He stopped Masters from getting any Republican National Committee money to finish up this race, push push Masters over the top to beat Mark Kelly. Why, oh why, would a Republican in leadership do that? I, I don't have an answer. I'm asking you. What do you think it's about? That's just one of the many travesties at our southern border. There's a whole buttload full of other travesties. The Army's top senior enlisted leader, Sergeant Major of the Army, Michael Grinston. Listen to what he's doing. He's encouraging soldiers to apply for food stamps, among other measures, as these soldiers face difficulties fighting inflation under the Biden administration. With inflation affecting everything from gas prices to groceries to rent, some of our soldiers and their families are finding it harder to get by on the budgets they've set and that they've used before. Soldiers of all ranks can seek guidance, assistance, and advice through the Army's financial readiness program, Grinston said in a message he wrote to soldiers that was posted on Army websites at least once a month. In the message in which he advised soldiers on where they and their families can seek financial help, he wrote this, quote, SNAP is a U.S. government program that provides benefits to eligible low-income individuals and families through an electronic benefits transfer card that can be used like a debit card to purchase eligible food and authorized retail food stores. Service members and their families may be eligible. So in other words, he's telling these people, hey, you're not worthy enough of your federal government, your military that you volunteered to be a part of and is absolutely necessary to keep this nation free. We think so little of you that we're going to look at your financial situation and recognize it's a tough one. We're not going to do anything about your problem, but look, we're going to encourage you. Here's some information. Take advantage of it. Welfare. Get SNAP food benefits. That sounds like true leadership to me. What about you? Representative Jim Jordan yesterday revealed that he got more information from one of those FBI whistleblowers accusing the FBI of labeling a veteran-led group and others as domestic terrorist organizations after they were found not to be a threat. This is serious. In a letter to FBI Director Christopher Wray, Jordan wrote that a whistleblower said the FBI labeled American contingency as a domestic violent extremist organization despite the FBI clearing it two years ago. The domestic violent extremism designation against American contingency is striking in light of a new whistleblower disclosure that shows that the FBI concluded as recently as 2020, the group is not a threat. According to this information, in July of 2020, an FBI employee in Northern Virginia flagged American contingency as domestic terrorists. Although FBI notes revealed, the Bureau ultimately concluded the group and founder Mike Glover desires to assist Americans 
in preparing themselves for catastrophic events and not to overthrow the U.S. government. This is from Jordan's letter. A background investigation and review of Glover's social media failed to support the allegation that Glover is a threat to the U.S. and its citizens. On its website, American Contingency says it's an organization meant to provide assistance during natural disasters and similar situations. It also says Glover is a former U.S. Army Green Beret. Mike Glover is a veteran doing good work out there, but some woken analyst at the FBI says, we're going to investigate this guy. This is Jordan talking to Fox News, adding that if you display the flag, you own a gun, you voted for Trump, you're somehow in that category that Joe Biden says are extremist or fascist. Jordan also quoted the whistleblower in his letter to Chris Ray, in which the unnamed individual accused an FBI employee of embracing leftist politics. It doesn't take a First Amendment scholar to realize what is protected speech and what isn't. It seems clear that this is an instance where an FBI employee reported something because it didn't align with their own woke ideology. That's according to the whistleblower. I think this is a primary example of how woke and corrupt the FBI has become. Other whistleblowers have allegedly come forward to Jordan and other Republican senators accusing leadership of the FBI of bias against Donald Trump and his supporters. Meanwhile, other whistleblowers have sounded the alarm about a memo related to alleged violence and intimidation at school board meetings, while others have expressed alarm over the agency's handling of the January 6, 2021 investigation. That's just one more little bitty thing. So as you know, the market reports came out, monthly employment, labor reports, inflation reports, consumer price index, all those things rolled in. In a nutshell, folks, it ain't good. The August consumer price index report shocked the markets as the leading benchmark indexes cratered following the inflation data. Last month, the annual inflation rate slowed a bit to 8.3%. Now that's down from 8.5% in July, and the market had expected it to go down even lower to 8.1%. Bureau of Labor Statistics numbers revealed that while Americans are seeing price reductions at the gas pump, they aren't seeing the same in other areas like grocery stores. Almost everything outside of the energy index is up across the board. Meanwhile, the core inflation rate That's the rate that excludes the volatile energy and food indexes. It went up to 6.3% in August. Now that's up from 5.9% in the previous month, was the highest level since March. Now according to the experts, the economists on this, the hotter than expected increase in core inflation almost certainly guarantees the Federal Reserve is going to raise the federal funds rate by at least three quarters of a point that's a basis point, next week at its policy meeting and therefore raises the possibility that large rate hikes will need to continue through the end of the year. Inflationary pressures continue to weigh on every U.S. household. Here's what changed in the latest inflation report. Food prices show no signs of going down. You got that. Food prices show no signs of of declining at all. 
The food index surged up an annualized rate of 11.4% in August. 11% more than the previous year in the grocery store. Grocery store prices advanced to 13.5% over a year, while food away from home climbed 8%. On a month-over-month basis, food index still rose by almost 1%. Overall, the food index experienced its biggest annual increase since 1979. Shelter costs. People not having the ability to find a place to live that they can afford may drive major driver of inflation. That index surged to 6.2% year over year. People can't find a place to live. I told you about the couple with their two children in Cleveland. Hardworking, blue-collar people, mom and dad, kids, two kids in public schools there in Cleveland. They were working hard, both of them working hard, mom and dad. Kids going to school. They're dropped off at school every day before mom and dad go to work. They go to work. They get through with work and come home. They're just trying to make it work. Their rent went up. They couldn't afford the rent and continue to be able to eat. So they moved out of their house where they were living, and they're living in a tent. Every morning, mom and dad get up, feed the kids, take them to school, and then go to work. The same work that they were doing when Donald Trump was president and they had enough to pay all their bills and a little money left over every month. Don't tell me that this administration has the people of America financially at heart. If they did, they would do something about it. What could Joe Biden do about it? Well, number one thing is quit spending all of this government money filling the pockets of people that are supporting you and you're coming back and giving them great handouts, opportunities to make lots of money, and you're buying their support with taxpayers' money with all of these events. And you don't have the money in the bank, by the way. You're borrowing it. The federal government, no, not the federal government. Congress is not included in these things now. Joe Biden's doing it by executive fiat. Give him a pen, give him an executive order, he'll sign it as long as it's giving away money. That's what he's all about. And speaking of uh, this administration really screwing up, it's not just domestically. What about overseas? The Europeans, they followed us in our quick switch from the Trump presidency to the Biden presidency in that rapid, rapid trek to do away with fossil fuels totally and go toward that renewable energy thing. And I mean literally flip a switch one day and go from fossil fuel support where we were energy independent for the first time in years and years and years, decades as a matter of fact. And Joe Biden stopped the XL pipeline permit. He refused, his administration continues to refuse to take the heat off of the regulations for major fossil fuel corporations to drill, get permits to drill. He's doing everything he can to dismantle America's energy independence. Oh, by the way, depleted our strategic oil reserves. They're at the lowest level, I think, in 30 or 40 years. Why is he doing that? Puts a little oil in the open marketplace, and that has kept 
the price of gas down below levels that really made him and other Democrats look bad in the midterms. That's what it was all about. Meanwhile, if you saw the weather, we've got a couple of storms headed up in the Atlantic and uh, in the Caribbean. It looks like some places in the United States are going to be the target. Our strategic oil preserves are used so that during times of tragedy, national tragedy, the federal government can put oil product put it in the marketplace to assist these people that lose their businesses, their homes, sometimes their lives. And Joe Biden, he's just arbitrarily taken it. Didn't go to Congress. He didn't talk to anybody. He decided to release it. And oh, by the way, a big chunk of that strategic oil reserves that we have, that all went to China, of all people, a real strategic foe. And Joe Biden's giving them oil. Well, he's not giving it to him, but he's selling it to him at a really good price. So the Europeans, they followed us. And of course, they didn't have much choice when Joe Biden stopped the LNG, liquid natural gas production here in the United States. A huge brand new plant was opened shortly before Donald Trump left office. A big plant down in South Louisiana. And every month, a couple of super tankers were filling up with liquid natural gas and we're taking it to Northern Europe and the Germans and some of the other country citizens up there in Northern Europe were taking that oil, excuse me, natural gas that we were selling them. And they, because they had this source that was being very effective, they shut down a couple of coal plants, which is not something you do overnight, but they wanted to follow suit and be environmentally pure. So they did it. And then they put themselves, because Joe Biden pulled the plug on LNG, Vladimir Putin was their only other source, Russia, to get their oil and get their natural gas. Yesterday, European authorities, they notified that they are preparing for blackouts as many residents are facing the prospect of a very cold winter. The energy squeeze has put governments across the European Union on edge as the severance of Russian national gas supplies has exacerbated the energy shortages week by week. The urgency has been made worse also by the fact it happens every year, winter's coming. Russian energy firm Gazprom, their move to suspend gas supplies through the Nord Stream 1 pipeline at the end of last month highlighted the prospect of gas shortages to heat homes and generate electricity. Russia has gradually reduced flows of gas to the EU in retaliation for Western nations imposing sanctions after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The EU also declared it would ban Russian oil imports by the end of 2022, even without an alternative source of cheap energy. We're in it for the long haul. That's according to European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. The European Commission announced in September, September 14th, two days ago, an emergency proposal that would require EU member states to cut overall electricity use by 10%, as well as impose a 5% mandatory reduction during peak hours. They tell us the plan is going to raise $140 billion dollars through a windfall tax on energy companies by skimming 
from excess production. Do you get this? Instead of finding ways to make it better, to make energy cost for their population, their citizenry, make it go down, they're finding themselves being forced to raise prices to ration fuel, heating oil, and it's almost all, listen to this, it's almost all because of Joe Biden. When he takes actions like he took on our fossil fuel energy, none of that exists in a vacuum. And now the people in the European Union are going to pay the price for our president's decisions. Hey guys, thank you for this week. Thanks for being here all week long. Have a wonderful weekend. And remember, we'll be back first thing Monday morning. Don't forget about our weekend bullet points. They'll be live at truthnewsnet.org when you get up tomorrow morning. Catch the latest big stories. Don't miss anything. Until we get together, have a wonderful weekend. Strumming my pain with his fingers. Singing my life with his words. Killing me softly with his song. Killing me softly with his song. Telling my whole life with his words. Killing me softly with his song. One, two, three, uh. I heard he sang a good song.
Strong in my 